But this morning, Father, as we worship you, as we have as we have met together, you've orchestrated, you have uh, made all of this possible, all of this happen. You know, every one of us in this room, God, you know every thought in our minds, you know every thought in our hearts. And so, Father, as you bring us this morning together to worship, also, Father, I pray that you bring us together to listen to your word, to your truth, Father, what it will mean what it will do, what will take place, and how it can produce fruit for your honor and for your glory. So, Father, help us to listen well, just as you help us to worship well. God, may we take away today from these passages of Scripture uh, just the fertile uh, truth. God, it helps us change, helps us grow, helps us be what you designed us to be. So, Father, guide us, lead us, help us to understand. May you have all the glory and all the honor, for you are worthy of that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good to see you guys this morning. Um, thank Mr. Jeremy for filling in last week. It always seems like um, if you go on a week, you go on like for a month, and uh, there's, um, I don't know, uh, anyway. I don't, anybody in here getting older, does life seem to be going faster? Uh, you know, it just seems to roll, don't it? Uh, so anyway, um, my time processing, I should say, of time isn't like it was 20 years ago. So uh, now, you know, you, you read about God's time, how a, a thousand years is like a day for Him. Well, a, a day is like a thousand years. For me, it seems like it's gone by, things have changed, and things have uh transpired and all that so anyway it's good to be back with you i'm glad to be here um we uh missed you guys last week and um so got to see some beautiful mountains if y'all able to man leaves are starting to change it's a gorgeous sight and um anyway so today we're going to be back in hebrews um we'll be on in uh chapter five and well actually let me say this we're going to start out in chapter 5, and we're going to be all over the book of Hebrews uh, and also some other passages of Scripture as well. I was telling my elders this morning that when you read this passage, and I've looked at it numerous times in, in the last few weeks, um, we're going to be talking about what is the order of Melchizedek. And um, I've heard a message preached on this or messages preached on this for, for many years. And uh, so long ago, the first ones I heard, who remembers cassette tapes? I actually bought and got them still a, a pack of cassette tapes that a guy preached on this. And so that's how long ago it's been. Um, but it's some interesting stuff. So I'm going to give you a lot of info at the end of the day. And I'm going to say this when we finish up. Uh, at the end of it all, you you should have some information, and most of you probably know it. Some of you, if you don't, maybe it'll be uh, somewhat intriguing to go and, and search and, and dig a little deeper. But at the end of the day, Jesus is still the Christ. Amen? He's still the Christ. Um, this passage of Scripture, in all honesty, um, I was reading, and I got three different commentaries to share with y'all throughout this morning and uh one of the commentators said said uh, for whatever reason amongst commentators this particular passage causes more um i don't know they disagree like you can have 10 
uh, commentators in a room on this particular passage and all ten of them would think something differently. And so that's pretty amazing, right? How do you read the same passage of scripture and come up with a, a different thought? I don't, I don't know, but, uh, I know what I believe. I, I, I believe that Jesus is our great high priest. Amen. I believe he is there to mediate and intercede for us. And, um, my little brain, that's enough just to know he's there. So let's get started. We're going to read, uh, put chapter five. We we'll start in verse one. Don't know if we'll get through the whole chapter. I doubt it. Um, but we're going to just kind of put a spotlight on, uh, what is the order of Melchizedek? What, where, where is Jesus? What is, how does this all tie together? So let's start reading. Every high priest is a man chosen to represent other people in their dealings with God. Um, let me stop right here for just a second. If we ever had to deal with God on our own, we're dead. I just want you to grasp the importance of having a great high priest um, because there is dealings with God. He represents their gifts to God and offers sacrifices for their sins. Who sins? All of us. And he is able to deal gently. With, and I love this. This is one reason I chose the NLT. I, I just love these words. He deals gently with ignorant, wayward People. I have been ignorant. I have been a, uh, wayward. I love that he deals with those people gently because he himself, this is, the, this is the high priest. He himself is subject to the same weaknesses. We're not talking about Jesus here. That is, he must offer sacrifices for his own sins. Jesus never sinned as well as theirs. And no one can become a high priest simply because he wants such an honor. He must be called by God for this work. Just as Aaron was, just as Aaron was, he's got to be called as Aaron was. That is why Christ did not honor himself with assuming he could become a high priest. No, he was chosen by God who said to him, and this is what God said, you are my son. Today, I have become your father. And in, an, in another passage, God said to him, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You have to be called. Um, ran into a guy one morning at church. He walks in actually to our church and tells me he's a prophet. Straight off the bat. I mean, like two words in, he's a prophet. Uh, I'm sorry. Um, I doubt it. Maybe you are, but God's going to have to give me some evidence. Uh, and the reason I'm saying that is because people will title themselves without God's calling. And if you're not called, you're not that, whatever that is. You're not a prophet. You're nothing without God's calling. In fact, you have to be called to be saved. And if God doesn't call, He's not going to put you in that place. So, Let's, let's look at this. So the priest of Melchizedek, a little background here before we dig into a little deeper. The priest of Melchizedek appears in three sections of Scripture. He is briefly introduced in Genesis 14, 18 and 20. Let's look at that right quick. Genesis 14, 18 through 20. And Melchizedek, the king of Salem and a high priest of God, of God most high, brought Abram some bread and wine. Melchizedek blessed Abram 
with this, uh, with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God, most high creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God, most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. So we see him show up in Scripture here and pay close attention. Trey, I don't know whether you remember. I don't forgot who was in the conversation, but we studied this a long while back at the other place, and we got on the subject of Melchizedek, and it was just anyway. I'm going to share some of that that with you today um, because Melchizedek shows up. Here he is in Genesis 14 <clears throat> in, a, in the Messianic Psalm. Let's put up Psalm 110 verse 4. David's going to address this in the order of Melchizedek. So in Psalm, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So he's, he showed up several times here or a few times, specifically after describing the victory and glory of the Messiah, David says, the Lord, and let me read it, this uh, passage right here, Psalm 1, 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So we're going down through this little uh, providing information. The author of Hebrews is speaking of Christ, okay? He's speaking of Christ, quotes this verse uh, in seven, uh, Hebrews 7, 17. Can you throw that one up? So the author of Hebrews, in speaking of Christ, quotes this verse, Hebrews 7, 17. And the psalmist pointed this out when he pro- uh, prophesied, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Take notes. Write these scriptures down, go home and read them. So Genesis provides background regarding the identity of Melchizedek. Psalm 110 connects Melchizedek to the Messiah. And Hebrews chapters 5, 6, and 7 describe the supremacy of Jesus as the great high priest. Using Melchizedek's role as an illustration of Jesus' priesthood and kingship. The Bible utilizes the phrase, the order of to point to the lineage of an Arianic priest would have been a priest according to the order of Aaron. Hebrews 7.11, let's read that. I know this is kind of choppy, but bear with me. Hebrews 7.11. So if the priesthood of Levi on which the law was based could have achieved the perfection God intended, why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron. So why did that happen? So these priests would have come from the lineage of Aaron, sharing a similar function in nature. So another translation, and I, I haven't, have anybody ever heard translation NET? Y'all ever heard of that? And it's one, the ISV. Have, I'm not familiar with those yet. But here's what they say. Here's how they laid us out. They lay out Psalm 110.4. It says that the Messiah will be a priest after the pattern of Melchizedek. The N-E-T, excuse me, that was the N-E-T, or in the I-S-V, after the manner of Melchizedek. So Genesis 14 describes Melchizedek as the king of Salem, which would later become Jerusalem, and a priest of God, Most High. 
Abram recognized Melchizedek's priesthood through his tithing of the possessions he had taken in battle. So Genesis 14, 16. Can we throw that back up if we hadn't read it already? 14, 16 says, Abraham recovered all the goods that had been, or Abram, excuse me, Abram had recovered all the goods that had been taken and he brought back his nephew Lot um, with his possessions and all the women and other captives. So we're just kind of cruising through a little little background here. <clears throat> Interestingly, this incident took place before the institution of the Arianic line, part of the Levitical priesthood, which was to mediate between God and man under the Mosaic law. Melchizedek was not a priest of Israel as that nation did not exist. Abraham had no children yet. The Levites would not become a priestly tribe for another four centuries. Or, yeah, four centuries. So Psalm 110 describes the uh, messianic nature of Jesus' future rule with the emphasis on Jesus' for eternity, forever and ever. Does that make sense? Can't get the L wild this morning. Um, so, forever and ever. <clears throat> so, um, find my place. So he goes on. It it is in uh, the context of Jesus' kingship. Psalm one Psalm one ten verse two. Write that down. That David writes about the Messiah being a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So if we got Psalm one ten two, uh, let's put that up, and then. After, yeah, this will work right here. <clears throat> For the Lord will extend your powerful kingdom from Jerusalem. You will rule over your enemies. Can you go to verse 4 right quick? The Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. So, <clears throat> they priests according to the order of uh, Aaron were not kings but priests alone. However, as the author of Hebrews says, Melchizedek was both priest and king. Hebrews 7 1. Hebrews 7 1. I know this is choppy, guys. Bear with me. I'm, I'm approaching my point, okay? This Melchizedek was, uh, was king of the city of Salem and also a priest of God, Most High. When Abraham was returning home after winning, a great battle against the kings, Melchizedek met him and blessed him. Okay? So here's where we, we start uh, talking about in the order of Melchizedek. Who is Melchizedek? Uh, I remember the first time I actually heard this preached. Uh, one, the name was hard to say. Uh, two, uh, you, you know, this, this guy, and we're fixing to see something very interesting about Melchizedek um, that uh, that's, makes you go, wait a minute, um, who is this guy? Who is this guy? Um, I'm going to share some commentary with you. And this might scratch some of you up the back, and this might scratch some of you down the back. Okay. Uh, either way, we're going we're going to try to make sense of it here in just a few minutes. Um, some commentators, and and like I say, they fight over this. They're, they're, I mean, you would not believe the like. No, 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 no. It's this. No, 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 no. It's that. That's the reason you always just look at God's word, take it for what the Spirit of God lays in your heart, and go with that. Okay, um, 
But there is a, and I'm not saying is or ain't, okay? I'm just throwing this out there for info right quick. That Jesus was Melchizedek walking around meeting Abram or Abraham in, in the Old Testament. That's, that's what this is. The reason I want to just make that little comment is because some think that Jesus, Jesus only entered the scene when he was born in Bethlehem at Christmas time. That's when they think Jesus come on the scene. Let me tell you something, guys. This is one chunk you can take home with you. Think about this. Our God is bigger than that. Jesus has always been, always. Jesus was before God said, let there be light. He has always been. So if you're reading the Old Testament, Jesus shows up. I believe in places of Scripture. Now, I ain't got time to run through those today, but Jesus was all in the lives. So don't think that Jesus didn't have a part back yonder. It's why, um, I'm going to say this and then we'll move on so I won't get in a lot of trouble. You got pastors today saying that the Old Testament is, is of no use. That's a lie. It is of much use. If you're going to read the Bible, read the whole Bible. There is so much you need to learn and glean and understand from the Old Testament that ties to the New Testament. It is God's Word. There is no divider in there. Did some things change? Did God instill a new covenant? Absolutely. But God's always been God. Okay? So all of this is God's Word. So I just... and and. Yeah, I'm pretty certain that you guys here understand that. But um, people who get freaked out, I mean, could a commentator be right? Could this be Jesus walking around in the Old Testament? Could he have met Abram or Abraham? And, and, and Could he have done that? Absolutely. Absolutely. If I don't accomplish anything else today, it'd be neat if you would go and say, I didn't understand a thing. You said, I'm going to go read it for myself. Goal accomplished. Okay, so that's my goal, get you to read your Bible. Well, a little more than that. He goes on, <clears throat> the eternal nature of the order of Melchizedek is presented in Hebrews 7.3. Have we read that yet? We almost did, didn't we? Hebrews 7.3. There is no record, and here's where it gets so cool. Guys, I read this and read this and read this. I have heard this. And I, and I read this, and it's it's like, God, you're just amazing. You're, you're just amazing. There is no record of his father or mother or any of his ancestors, no beginning or end to his life. He remains a priest forever, resembling the Son of God. So what does that say? And I hope you don't take this as like, so what? Melchizedek was a guy that showed up in the Old Testament. I mean, it's, it's more to look what God is doing. Do you realize how valuable and important the priesthood of Christ is? You know who is sitting between if, if, um, and, and I've heard this that if, if Christ wasn't interceding, if Christ wasn't between us and God, we would have no hope. Who sinned this week as a believer? I'm thankful for the high priest. 
I'm thankful for Christ. So he was without father or mother. He had no, uh, you know, no ancestry, so to speak. In other words, Melchizedek appears in history with no record of uh, genealogy or an, an ancestral line, no record of his birth, no record of his death. The point is, this is one commentator, the point is Melchizedek appears to transcend earthly existence. Guys, only God can do that or orchestrate that. So he 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 uh, he tends to transcend earthly existence. This makes him a type of Christ who truly does transcend earthly existence and the eternal king as the eternal king priest who has no predecessor or successor in his high office. Let me go here. I'm going to try to use my uh, technology. And uh, so this this may get really hilarious here in just a few minutes. Here's what Spurgeon said about without father or without mother. This is just a quote he made. There is nothing there is nothing said about the genealogy of Melchizedek in the, in Genesis 14 passage or, or anywhere else. As far as the biblical record is concerned, he has no father or mother, no beginning of days and nor uh, end of life. We see but little of him, yet we see nothing little in him. He goes on to say, uh, this, not, not Spurgeon, but, um, on down this, this particular comment, which is off of blueletterbible.org. Uh, this is commentary, so read it, go to scripture, don't put your trust and faith completely in a commentator, okay? <clears throat> so he's made like the Son of God. Melchizedek was made like the Son of God. He really, it really isn't that Jesus has Melchizedek's kind of priesthood. Instead, Melchizedek has Jesus's kind of priesthood. And so right here at the bottom, he says, he remains a priest continually. Either this refers to, this is just food for thought, either this refers to the uh, continuation of the priestly order of Melchizedek, or it is evidence that Melchizedek was actually Jesus appearing in the Old Testament. Jesus' priesthood does remain to this day and into eternity. Um. When I read stuff like this, guys, I am so very thankful. And I would love to be smarter. And I would love to be able to educate you on every in and out of Melchizedek. And I read this over and over and over and over again in the attempt to look smarter. Smarter is not necessarily in my brain bag, okay? So I read it, and I read it, and I read it, and I said, you know, the only thing, if I was reading this, taking it for myself to take in the Scriptures, to take in the truth of God, the only thing I know is like possibly Melchizedek was Jesus in the Old Testament who blessed Abram, who was there. He didn't have any genealogy. Uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly where that stands, but here's the key. Don't miss this. Here's the key. Jesus is our high priest forever and ever. That's what I'll anchor in. God, I ain't real sure how you did all this. I'm not even real certain 
how all this fits together. It is in Scripture, and I'm going to go with what uh, my granddad said one time. I'm going to believe it simply because it's in Scripture. If i got to give an essay on how it's put together, I'm going to fail. But I know this. Jesus is who He is. He is God's Son. He is the giver of life. He is our high priest. He intercedes and mediates between us and God. And all I can say to that is praise the name of our holy God. Praise the name of our holy God. I'm going to read a little bit more commentary and then we're going we're gonna to wind up. I knew this wouldn't be a really long message. Um, and, and I always want to be transparent with you guys. And y'all, y'all figured this out over the last several years. I'm not the sharpest tack in the box. And this is where, um, putting this together, reading this commentary, making notes. This is where I got really frustrated. You know, this is going to sound really dumb. Just, just shows how smart I am. Okay. Uh, or this shows, this is going to sound really smarter. Show how dumb I am. Anyway, I couldn't smart this out. I read it. I read it. I read it. Okay, God, well, here's my answer. Here's, here's what you've, I believe you said to me. Melchizedek showed up in the Bible. He had no genealogy. He showed up as a priest. He wasn't only a priest. He was a king and a priest. And I know there's some significance to that. But we're talking about your son, Jesus who in the order of Melchizedek is our great high priest who intercedes, who mediates between us and our heavenly father. So let me finish reading this commentary and then we'll wind up. One implication of Jesus' priesthood according to the order of Melchizedek is that the is that the Mosaic law was insufficient to save. I figured that out. Who can save us? Who can save a sinner? Jesus. So the, the Arianic law, the, the Levitical law, uh, was insufficient. It did not bring salvation. It couldn't do it. It could not do it. So I figured this out. That puts Jesus or leaves Jesus exactly who he is. He's the perfect high priest. Because what was was insufficient to save. If perfection could have, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still a need for another priest to come in the order of Melchizedek? Not in the order of Aaron. For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. So Hebrews 7.11. Let's put that back up again. We're, this time we're going to read all the way through verse 14. Hebrews 7.11. Uh, and I only gave him 12. Did you? Jason, you didn't load the other two verses? You got it? Cool. Awesome. I just had to pick on somebody. So anyway, so here we go. So if the priesthood of Levi on which the law was based could have achieved the perfection God intended, did you catch that? If it could have achieved the perfection that God intended, is God perfect? Well, I'm going to say He is, okay? So God is perfect. 
the perfection God intended. Why did God need to establish a different priesthood with the priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? And if the priesthood is changed, the law must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we are talking about belongs to a different tribe whose members have never served at the altar as priest. What I mean is that what I mean is our Lord came from the tribe of Judah and Moses never mentioned priest coming from that tribe. Okay. We needed a better high priest. We, you've heard things like we needed a perfect, unblemished sacrifice. There could be in what God was achieving through what He is putting into place, it had to be perfection. So we needed a better priesthood, an eternal priesthood to save us from our sins for eternity. We needed Jesus, one who has become a priest, not on the basis of a regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power and indestructible life. That's in verse 16 of chapter 7. So do we have that? Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirements of uh, belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. reason to give thanks to God and go to Him every day with a, a thankful heart, with a heart of gratitude, humility, reason for God to be praised and honored. A priest is a mediator between God and man. That's what he does. Within the Old Testament, the Arianic or Levitical priest would have made sacrifices on behalf of the nation of Israel. Go read, and we're not reading this, and I didn't write it down, Leviticus 16, 1-28. Those sacrifices who had to be repeated or you know, over and over, eventually the priest would die, and his work as, a medi- as mediator would cease. Jesus, our high priest, in the order of Melchizedek, is not only our mediator, but also our sacrifice. So let's see John, uh, 1 John uh Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. I want to say, I'd like to spend about four hours on this particular subject because we read this. It says, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so you will know what? Sin. That's huge. I'm giving you this. I want you to understand this. I want you to understand... uh, A through Z about God when it comes to His sacrifice, when it comes to what He does inside of you, when He he saves you, when He uh, takes you as His child, what He is going to show you and teach you and to keep you from sinning. I've said this a million times. I know that, (laughs) that we do not have to engage in sin. I heard a statement the other day. Uh, a guy was teaching, he said, the devil made me do it. He said, the devil ain't made you do that. you just that rotten. The devil don't always make you do something. The devil might lay the temptation out in front of you, but who picks it up? The devil can set suitcases in front of you all day long. Lust, greed, whatever, pornography. Well, he can set those suitcases in front of you all day long. 
and it can sit there in your in, in, in your whatever hallway all day long. It is simply temptation. Temptation is not sin. What classifies as sin? When I pick it up, and listen how intentional a suitcase is. When you pick it up, lay it on the table, and you open it up. You want what's inside. My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. Take this, listen to this, hear this, live this, pray this, so you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. I harped on the first verse so we can talk about this. Because y'all, most of y'all admitted this morning of sinning this week. And you know what I know about me? And I know you know what I know about you? There's a possibility this week you're going to do something sinful. Let's back up and reread this. And I do not, <laughs> I do not want to present this as like, well, okay, we're, we're good. He'll forgive us. I'm going to tell you what, let me just sidetrack just a second. Anyone with an attitude towards sin that flippantly? You need to check yourself. If you can say, well, God, God will forgive me. He's a gracious God. He's a forgiving God. He is there absolutely every bit of that. He is also a just God. Just like I wouldn't put up with my child coming to me back in the day and telling me to like shut up or or anything disrespectful you better you better you you ought to know i remember telling my boy when he got old enough and we were just picking he said daddy i think i can take you <laughs> one i'm smarter than you the ways that i would come at you 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 couldn't even process yet two you don't want that game to happen. And I think the subject came up of, of disrespecting my wife. I said, if you ever disrespect my wife, you will get to find out who the man is. End of story. It's going to be me all over you. Now, does God look at it that way? No, I, I don't know. Not, not, I do know this, that God is, is just. And if there was something wrong in my house, I was going to deal with it. And the reason I tell that little story is because God will deal with it. Those who believe and think that it's okay to, to sin and, 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 you know, God, hey, God's got my back. He'll forgive me. Uh, that is completely horrible, wrong understanding of how God sees our sin. I'll give you one more picture, uh, and it, it kind of alludes to the, the passage in, in Revelation where the lukewarm church, God basically said, and, and, I, and I don't forgot which pastor I heard say this, but somebody asked him when he says, you're lukewarm, I'm fixing to uh, puke you out of my mouth, or, or you know, just I, I just picture God at our sin just throwing up. Sick. That's how we should view sin it should disgust us so but here we go 
My dear children, I am writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, he will have an advocate, which is Jesus Christ, who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. We got, uh, I think, an epidemic sometimes of how people uh, view God as just a, a soft, loving, big granddaddy kind of guy. And uh, there is no doubt, none of us could claim salvation if God wasn't loving. Amen? But we need to understand the justice, justice of it too. And we need to understand that God don't play those games. Our sins should make us sick and we should be quick very quick to seek our advocate in repentance. So a priest is a mediator between us and uh, God. Um, don't forget that. Uh, because of His resurrection, Jesus' resurrection, death does not interrupt His work. All other priests died. Their work was interrupted. Somebody else would have to be appointed. That uh, appointed. That isn't the case with Jesus. Jesus is, or Jesus was, is, and always will be. So His work is not interrupt, interrupted at all. He has, and I love this, write this down, take this home, jump for joy every single day uh, according to this. He has the final authority. Jesus has the final authority as reigning king soon to return and establish his physical king, kingdom in the same way, in the same city where Melchizedek was from, and that is Jerusalem. Put up 1 Timothy 2.5. 1 Timothy 2.5. For there is only one God and mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He is it. Um, he is, it takes a great high priest. If you'll go read about the Levitical, uh, priesthood and, and you'll see that they went before, uh, God. They went into the holies of holies. They pleaded or, or went in there for the atonement of sin. They killed animals and, and took the blood in there. And that was what God said to do. So, um, you know, if faithful, uh, following, they, they did that. Jesus, is different in that in the high priest, he took his own blood. He took his own blood into the holies of holies. And God said, that does it. It's finished. So we, we've made this statement in the Baptist church a lot. If you're covered in the blood of Christ, you're his. You're His. Jesus shed that so that life could be given. So I read this. Just got through giving you the same notes I had, same commentary I had. I read this and I said, okay, so what do I do with this? What, what, how should this impact me? How do, uh, cause I'm, I'm the guy, I like, I like, no, how, God, how do I live this out? In light of what you just said, how should I live out that Jesus is my high priest? First of all, the first word came to me is reverent Reverent repentance. I should live with a repentive heart. If Jesus is between us and God, and He is, He is advocating, He is interceding, He is mediating between us and God. I should be sorrowful and disgusted by sin in my life. I should repent quickly. i got an advocate I can go to because Jesus said He was our advocate. He goes between us and the Father, making us clean. 
and uh, purifying us in the sense that he has washed us in his blood. Next, I want to live for Christ because I want to honor him. You cannot come up with a good enough illustration for this. And this, anything I say is going to be cheesy and dumb, I, I know, but I'm, I'm going to give it my best shot. If you went before a court and was sentenced to death and somebody stepped in and took your place, would there be any gratefulness or uh, gratitude, I should say? Would there be any gratitude at all? And I know that's a shallow, I mean, that's probably been used 10 million times in revivals or, or whatever. Would it make a difference? Would you, would, would you have a, an honor and a reverence and a respect for, for that individual? See, that don't even, that don't even do it justice. All I'm saying is this. If he's saved us, he is our priest. He's our high priest. He's interceding for us. He's, he's going before God, pleading our case. That's something to be grateful for. That's something to be thankful for. And to know that our high priest, he's never going to die. He's never going to quit. He's never going to, 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 you know, get banned. God said he would always be. Always be. He's our high priest. We can go to him. I read a verse, um, I think, I'm going to go ahead and read it. I don't even know if I read it, but uh, I, I just wanted to reread this from chapter 4. It's verse 14, and I think it ends in 16. I'm not sure. But I have pondered this as I was um, off on vacation last week. I, I have read this and pondered this thought. Me personally, you think about it in your life, how grateful you, you are for this. But I, I just, this this brought such gratitude. I'm going to read it. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. When I read that, uh, I don't know why Corey Timboon saying keeps coming to me over and over. It's like I'm sharing this saying four to five times a week with an individual. She keeps coming and said, cling loosely to the things of this life. Cling tightly to the cross of Christ. Believe what, what Jesus said. Believe who He is. Believe what He's given us. Trust it. So cling, uh, um, hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest Nothing like the others. This high priest of ours understands our weakness. Praise God. For he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. <clears throat> Praise God. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Look what he opened. We can go before the Father. There we will receive His mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. So I'll end with this question. Anybody here need grace? Anybody in here need God's mercy? It's available through Christ.
Anybody desire God to crush something in your life? To get rid of it? To show you to, uh, just to, to get it gone? To be just? To call it what it is? Take it before God and say, God, this is a sin. He'd say, yes, it is. Yes, it is. And Father, I repent. I repent. Maybe one day we'll see Melchizedek. You reckon? He's not going to be the first one I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to be looking for Jesus unless Jesus is Melchizedek, right? I just want to confuse you with that a little bit. I heard a, a guy say a couple weeks ago he couldn't wait to get to heaven because he wanted to see his mother or grandmother or something like that. I said, but, but I'll tell you what. I got, hopefully there's a few family members in heaven. I hope God saves some of them. Uh, but when I get there, I ain't looking for them. I want to see Jesus. That's how we should live our life. That's how we should live our life. Look for Him every day. He's here. He's right there with you. So did I read 1 Timothy 2.5? If I didn't, can we, can we put that up? I think I did read it. I did. You don't want me to read it again? I'm going to do it anyway. For there is only one God and one mediator who can reconcile Make it right between us and God. There's only one. And he, uh, reconcile, can, who can reconcile to God and humanity? The man Christ Jesus. Praise God for that. Let's close in prayer. Father God, thank You for this day. I thank You for Your truth and for Your Word. God, help us to see and understand. Help us to follow. God, first and foremost, I, I, I uh, in no way pretend to, to be able to um, pick all this apart. God, I've confessed that already. But I do know this. Jesus is the Christ. And you say in your Word that He is the great High Priest. You tell me in your Word <clears throat> that we can come before you. We can come and... and, and just lay whatever it is out. And Jesus intercedes. He mediates. He advocates. So again, Father, I'll trust Jesus. Thank You for what You did through the cross of Calvary. And thank You for what You did through the resurrection of our Savior. Father, that, that made it possible for the ones You call to have life. Help us to never take that for granted. Help us to keep our attitude, our thoughts, our mouth. Help, help us to stay in check. God, give us Your understanding and wisdom of how to walk. Help us to produce fruit. Help us to glorify and honor Your name in how we live. God, let us be thankful that You are just. You are merciful. God, that Your grace is abundant. Father, thank You for these things.
We praise you and thank you for this day. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.